Hello everyone, it is December 13th, 2021. We are, I think, what is it, three weeks away now, Trey, from the college football playoff? Getting three, close, man, three getting or two. close. Um, there's a lot of news going on, though. The transfer portal, uh, Quinn Ewers, Ewers? I can't, I don't know. I can't Ewers, even, yeah. I can't even say it right sometimes. The coaching carousel, we have a couple of uh, big updates um, for Oregon and Virginia, and Florida made a big move as assistant coach in recruiting. Uh, Heisman Trophy was announced. Bryce Young, the winner by actually a pretty big margin, I would say. Especially after the game in yeah. the SEC Championship. Yeah. He, he really had a, a great uh, end of the season. And then we got a couple of college football playoff talk between Cincinnati and Alabama. A couple news out of Alabama on their injuries and who's going to be playing and who's not going to be playing. And just a couple updates for the Georgia and Michigan. But we are excited for you guys to... Well, to listen to the show and to be on the show with us as we talk. Got some fun stuff today. Got oh, some yeah. fun stuff. A, a lot of stuff. Now, we're going to jump right into it. We're going to get to the transfer portal news. A lot of things have been happening lately in the transfer portal. It's a new age of college football. I know it's going to take a little bit to getting used to, but right now we're, we're right into the thick of it, right, being thrown into the fire with all these transfers coming in. So right now we already had Bo Nix, three-year starter at Auburn. Enter the transfer portal today. Transfer portal today. Zach Calzada, the ten, he started ten games for Texas A&M. I think one of the reasons why he's transferring is because of Haynes King, and Haynes King being back, and him kind of showing off his skill set. I think he can move on to a different program and play well. And then, Kendon Slovis. This one really surprised me. I was shocked by this one too. Um, yeah. He was three-year starter. He kind of got benched um, because of uh, Jackson Dart. But I think a lot of it had to do, like what you mentioned, with his Malachi Nelson and Lincoln Riley being there now. It, it's just a, it's just a whole kind of QB mess in USC, but it's a good QB mess to say. I'm surprised to see it, though, uh, because of Lincoln, and we'll try to talk about that more later. But Keaton is incredibly talented. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got a live arm. Um, he's a pretty smart thrower of the football. He's, he's made some really great receivers look good over the past few years, but he's been inconsistent. He's the same yep. as Sam Darnold and several other USC quarterbacks before him. He has all the talent in the world. He just can't put it all together for a full season. I'm excited to see where he goes. And I think I think a lot of this now could be with Lincoln Riley now being the, the head coach, him putting it together with the quarterbacks that he has. I don't think Clay Helton was kind of that quarterback whisperer, whisperer <laughs> that they needed. I don't think so either, yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, but that's not the only big names that we have in the portal. Now, obviously, we know about Spencer Rattler. The biggest name. The Well, would we say the biggest name? Because is he the most talented in the in the portal to say? We would have said, if, if a year ago this time, I would have told you Spencer Rattler was in the transfer portal, you would not have believed no, me. No, I would I would have been like, he no, was, he would have been the Heisman he, candidate. Yeah, was he second or third in the Heisman favorites? Uh, I mean, the guy yeah. is incredibly talented. Yeah. Um, also, you know, uh, I saw news that he was going to visit USC or uh, University mm. of South Carolina. You know, we were talking yeah, yeah, about him not- possibly visiting the other USC, um, and he flips it around. Uh, I think that's very interesting. Um, I, I think uh, I also saw a report that he was interested in some Big Ten schools. I think he is going to go to a place where there is no chance he has any quarterback competition. I think he's going to go to a place yeah. where he's the guy. No one is going to question him, and he's going to be at least a starter for a year or two. I mean, you can bring up you can bring up names like what well, we talked about Iowa. We can bring up names such as Michigan State. Now, Michigan State a little bit of controversy because of Peyton Thorn being there, but I think there's down, other down the stretch though. Peyton Thorn kind of hurt them. Yeah, I think I think one of the names you could bring up is Northwestern. Now, Northwestern is not a big, not a big school, but defensively they're always solid, and I think they were a QB a good QB away two years ago from beating Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. 
and I, I think that's a that's a great option. Wisconsin, I do believe if he went to Wisconsin, he would beat out Graham, Graham Mertz. But I don't know. But does he want to do that? Yeah, that's that's the thing. Because the, there's the chance he doesn't play. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the guy from Miami a few years ago? Um, he went to try to beat Justin Fields out. Or no, no Tate uh, Martell. Tate Martell. Tate Martell <laughs> didn't beat Justin Fields out. He talked all that trash and then transferred to Miami where he had another quarterback controversy and ended up having to play receiver some. Uh, and so you don't want to be that guy because if you get beat out once, you do not want to get beat out twice. Mm-hmm. If that happens, that kills your draft stock, kills your name, kills your legacy. So he doesn't want that. Um, also, another name, Dylan Gabriel. This Ooh. name has been floating around as possibly going to Ole Miss. I've heard other sources, maybe to UCLA. Nothing really up in the – a lot of stuff is up in the air right now. Mm-hmm. Nothing really confirmed yet. I, I don't see why you wouldn't go to Ole Miss unless a better offer comes away. Yeah. Because, I mean, the offense you're going to be in, it's going to make him look like a superstar. Mm-hmm. And, and they need a quarterback because mm-hmm. Matt Corral is going in the first round this year. That, that's true. And, and he kind of fits that style, too, for Ole Miss – Great live arm, great great throw of the football, and and he's a willing runner to not, say. Not the best decision maker though. Yeah, and I think Lane Kiffin can help him mm-hmm. get better at that. Lane, Lane Kiffin's a really good coach. He makes it simple for the QBs mm-hmm. to say. Uh, next name we got Max Johnson. He transferred from LSU, four star coming out of high school. He was the starter for LSU this year. He played well. He struggled at times with decision making. Last year he had that huge game where he played Florida. The shoe game, he won as his first start, 37-34. So he has the talent, um, and he's he's right there, I would say, with some of the, the better QBs in the transfer portal. But with all these big names, I think his name might get lost um, on where he's trying to go. And I'd agree because, I mean, I haven't heard anything about this transfer, I mean, other than seeing the notification. Um, I mean, you got Dylan Gabriel, Spencer Rattler, Bo Nix, uh, and Keaton Slovis even, even though Keaton Slovis hasn't had the best career because he – Played for the Trojans. So that's four quarterbacks right there that immediately I think of ahead. And Zach Calzada's right there with him. Um, I think he could definitely be an upgrade for some teams. I'm just interested to see how low he's willing to go yep. for programs because, I mean, you're going to take a step down from LSU. Mm-hmm. So uh, Another name. Now, we're, we've gotten into the QBs. There's some big names out there that just happened this week and have happened like a couple weeks ago that transferred out of their schools. Jacob Copeland, leading receiver for Florida, he was projected to have a big year. He's he's had over a thousand yards in his career. He was, I think, the 40th rated player nationally, four star, close to a five star recruit coming out of high school. He hasn't really lived up to his potential, mm-hmm. and I think he just it it just wasn't fitting for him at Florida. It was they were he was he was good, but he wasn't reaching his potential, his ceiling. And I think that's why he decided to leave Florida, where he can go out and and a lot of schools are going to be looking at him possibly again coming in as a number one receiver and and contributing contributing i can't even say that right contributing so it's a mouthful and if i'm him i'm thinking like jameson williams like where can i go to make myself look good and win a college football championship Uh, and i think obviously alabama would be the the biggest target to think about Mm -hmm. but any of these other um sec schools um especially like i mean oklahoma you got a quarterback like caleb williams places where you could look good um, but I'd be really interested to see if he stays in the SEC and if he does, which which school he's going to. I, I was brought up with the notion possibly going to UCLA. That'd be interesting, yeah, that's especially now that Chip's staying. Yeah, if if UCLA they can they can use the receivers really well, and he would, he would get some recognition there. Um, and maybe a Big Ten or ACC school. I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe takes a look at Clemson. Um, well, they need some receivers. Yeah, because um, they just lost a Jew. A Jojo, a Jujo, however you want to say it. Three, he was a three-star coming out of high school, but he was a big body. 
He had a lot of potential. He's now in the transfer portal. Not really going to talk about him much, but he was a big loss for Clemson as well. Justin Ross will be gone after this year yeah, as well. Justin so. Ross should be going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, next name we got on the list, Eli Ricks. Big, Elias big Ricks. Name. Big name. Five-star corner. Now, a lot of people he was projected thinking about going to USC and Ohio State. This is, this is, for me, a little bit of speculation. No reports coming out yet, but I would not be surprised if Florida starts moving up as one of his top choices to go to. And here's the reason why. We're going to get it later on the podcast. The recruiter that recruited him to high that recruited him to LSU now is going to Florida. He has a relationship with Corey Raymond. He's now at Florida. I wouldn't be surprised if he looks at possibly going to Florida. And if Kyrie Elam, he Kyrie Elam probably will be he's going to be a first round pick. He probably will declare. But if he does he hasn't declared yet. He, I, don't, I don't think there's a chance he comes back though. He's 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 projected to go first second round. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of money to pass up on. Even even if even if he declares, Eli Ricks going in, Jason Marshall, the five star that we had this year, played really well. Wouldn't be surprised if they had those two um, on both sides. That would be that would be an elite uh, tandem for Florida to have next year, especially with being Billy Napier's first year. Um, another name to look out for for Eli Ricks. Um, any ACC school, I think Miami would be one that you can look up to because Marcus Banks is starting to move over, the the five-star from Alabama transfer. I think those two going over to Miami would be really great too, and Mario Cristobal, obviously. I saw a report saying that there's he was not going to go to uh, Ohio State because there was a lot of rumblings in the Ohio State room that if he transferred there, yep. that two or three guys would transfer out. Uh, because of the system, you know, earning their way up. So I, I heard Ohio State's not going to pursue him. I thought that was going to be a really good fit. Uh, I'll be interested yep. to see where he goes. I, I'd be really interested if Mario could pull him. Yep. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I know Dabo doesn't like to get involved in the transfer portal, but dude, you got to you got to do something to bolster that defense. He, he's he's got to get involved. He's got to get involved. You got to you got to change with the times, man. Yeah, it's 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 crazy nowadays. We're gonna get into two other names, and then I got a question for you about just the free free agency. I'll call, not transfer portal, free agency. Jameer Gibbs, Zach Evans, both were five stars coming out of high school. One went to Georgia Tech, one went to TCU. Not big name schools, but these two are transferring out. Zach Evans was phenomenal last year for TCU. Big name player. Georgia Tech. Um, Jameer Gibbs was phenomenal for Georgia Tech. I- I'm interested to see where these guys go. I know Zach Evans was leaning toward Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Jameer Gibbs was leaning more toward an Alabama. But I I really don't know which which game of fit. I think Jameer Gibbs would be. I think it would be wise for these these running backs that transferred think about michigan state look what kenneth walker did he was a transfer from wake forest and now he was a heisman he was a heisman candidate Mm -hmm. for most of the year um so i I think it would be wise if if he came in and and he looked at michigan state or these other running backs looked at michigan state and other schools yeah i think jameer gibbs would be kind of silly not to look at alabama Mm -hmm. uh, especially because they lacked a run game this year so i don't think he's gonna have much competition for the starting job um and they need him i mean they need a running back um, Zach Evans is incredibly talented. I think if he went to Tennessee, that'd be a huge win for them. I'd be interested to see why, why he hasn't made the decision yet, um, mm-hmm. to verbally commit at least, because it sounded like he had a really good time at Tennessee and was leaning that way. Um, so I'll be interested to see what's holding him up there. Yeah, it's also another thing. Uh, Zach Evans was one time crystal ball to Florida in high school. Um, so that's another thing to look at. I don't think Florida's in the running. Uh, I don't think any of the other SEC schools besides Tennessee would be in the running right now. Uh, Georgia, Georgia's full of five-star too much competition. Back. Too much competition there. I think he's going to go somewhere where he thinks he can make an immediate impact, and I think Tennessee is a great fit for him. Let's talk about 
the transfer portal and just free agency in college football. This is this is a new age of college football, like we said, and it, it's kind of uh, like the NFL in a way where where guys are coming out and it's a free agency where you can sign any guy you want. My question is: Is it ruining ruining the sport of college football? Not football. Is it ruining football? No, it's not ruining football. Is it ruining the sport of college football in general? I would say no. Um, the one reason I would say no is because if you look at the percentage of recruits that are transferring, it's it's way higher than it was a decade ago, but it's still not that high. I mean, most players go where they're recruited. It's a huge life decision. They're not going to immediately change. Um, not everyone is Quint Ewers or Spencer Rattler, where you are a phenomenal talent and like 25 teams in the country would take you at the drop of a hat. Um, and so players go to a system, they buy into a system, they live in the weight room, they live in the facilities. I mean, they, they, they buy into the culture. Um, so I don't think it's ruining that aspect. And we see that. I mean, you look at Aiden Hutchinson. He bleeds blue and yellow, you know? Um, you look at some of these other players. And so, I mean, I, I think of Oklahoma State this year. I mean, all those guys have bought in. And so we still have that in college football. Uh, but you do see that teams like Alabama are, are reaping incredible benefits from this system. Because the only problem with a free agency is, it's just like Kevin Durant, you're going to go to the place that helps you the best. That's why everybody traveled to Tampa Bay last year to play with Tom Brady. Um, and that's why Jamison Williams went to Alabama. I mean, yeah. and that's one thing that Clemson's not doing well. Alabama is taking advantage of the fact that people want to go there. And Clemson was the same kind of program two years ago, a year ago. Um, and so I, I think that it's not a bad thing. I think it's different. But you look at the way our world's changing. I mean, you know, there's more money in college football now, especially with the NILs. Um, and so I think players are going to benefit from this. And so teams can use that to recruit. Teams can use that for the transfer portal. So if you're doing it right, because, I mean, you don't see a lot of people transferring out of Alabama unless they're not starters. No. Nope. So, not. <laughs> you know, I, you don't see a lot of people transferring out of Georgia unless they're not starters. You got, you got two quarterbacks on Georgia's roster that could be starting at many, many schools, but they're staying there. And so good programs can keep players. And so I, for that, I don't think it's free agency or the transfer portal's fault for that. Um, I think that's more individual programs. And the mindset of the players. Um, players that aren't bought in are obviously going to get off the ship. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's ruining the sport, though. I, I think this year has been an incredible year as a college football. I, I will say this about the free agency and your take. How is it affecting recruiting, though? Is recruiting, is recruiting that important now? Because if we, if we look at it and say, okay, if we can recruit at a high level at 10 or 15 every single year, and and still get these recruits, but but not make a push necessarily for five or four stars, as much as some do. But get guys that fit the culture that that are talented, three or four stars, and maybe a couple five stars here and there. Who's to say I can't in free agents and transfer portal free agency just go out and get the guys that I need? And you're not focusing more on recruiting, but you're focusing more on the aspect of of getting the guys that are coming from schools that they didn't like at first. Are we now putting a more of an emphasis less on recruiting and now more on, on free agency and the transfer portal to say? I would say that that recruiting is still the blue chip way to build a program. And so uh, it's like in other sports, when you bring in veterans, you don't build a team off of veterans. You don't build a culture off of veterans. You build a culture off of drafting and in this case, recruiting. Um, and you have to build that. You have to have the framework for that. It's just like building a house. Like you've got to build the house before you can put nice things in your yard, before you can put a fence up, before you can get a garage. You know, those things make the house better, but they don't build the house. And so um, I think you have to have an established program before you can go out shopping. I think it can help programs get boost, boosted, obviously, the, the start up. But you don't see a lot of these incredibly talented programs um, losing players to go to lesser programs. 
Um, and so I think it's still very much affecting recruiting for like 85% of college football. Like they're just, they have to have recruits. Uh, but even the schools that are benefiting the most from the transfer portal, they're still all in on recruiting. Mm-hmm. I promise you, Lincoln Riley, he's had the most transfer portal action the last few weeks. He's still in on recruiting. Recruiting is the main job. And I think it's the beauty of the sport. The fact is now, not only do you have to recruit to get them there, you have to keep them there. That's an, a whole other layer of dimension. But I think it's good for the players because they get to choose. Uh, makes it more entertaining, um, but it does have it has the danger of making teams top-heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we have a top-heavy team this year. I think Alabama is the best team. I don't think they're top-heavy. Last year, Alabama was really, really good. I don't think anyone could beat Alabama last year. Um, and so we, we just see that. But even Alabama last year, they had a lot of seniors. And so I, I think because of this, because players can transfer and seek better opportunities— I think we'll see more seniors. I don't think we'll see players leaving for the draft as early now if they don't think they're going to do well, rather than guys leaving and going in the fourth and fifth round when they have a chance to go in the first round the next year. There's a recruit. There was not a recruit. Well, he was, he technically would be a recruit this year, but he decided to go to Ohio State early, and now he's in the transfer portal while his, col- while his college football changed. Now, Quinn Ewers. Ewers? I, I'm Ewers. Ju- I, Ewers. I... I just gonna like a you like a lamb yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna keep saying it right yours yeah <laughs> there you go uh yours to texas this is huge huge this guy is a once in a lifetime talent at qb and texas was able to come and steal him steve sarkeesian he is a this is this is somebody this is a program changer for mm, texas absolutely casey thompson Hud, hudson carr i wouldn't be surprised if those guys transfer out now, oh yeah, I mean he's the starter. If, if they if they're now if their competitors, Casey Thompson, I think would stay and try and compete. Hudson Carr, I think you might be. I think you might be on the the way out here. I don't know if you're gonna have a shot um, against uh, Quinn Ewers. Yeah, there you go. Here we go. And Casey Thompson. This is this is a huge blast too because of Texas going to the SEC possibly, mm-hmm. and and coming early. This I think this puts Texas right up there to to compete, not to win, but to compete at a high level in the SEC. I think if this year's Texas team and you had Casey Thompson, I don't think they could compete in the SEC. I think with this 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 get from the transfer portal, this is putting Steve Sarkeesian right where he wants it, an elite QB that can run his offense to perfection, like Mac Jones, like Tua, like um, kind of Jalen Hurts, but ah, uh, but. I think it's fascinating because, you know, Sarkeesian came in, the job looked really, really good, and a lot of people left. And so he, he had clean house, he's got he's to rebuild. And so recruiting's tough. I mean, recruiting's really tough when you're not doing too good. But you get this guy. He's the guy. And like I said earlier, you see in other sports like basketball and, and football and the pros, when a good player goes somewhere, other players want to play with him, especially the quarterback position, uh, more so than any other position in sports. And so now that you have the guy, and I mean, he literally is about to be 18. I mean, or he just turned 18. I mean, that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got two years to be there. He's guaranteed to be there for two years. I don't think that, like, you know, I don't think they're getting rid of him unless something like what happened with Spencer Rattler happens, but they don't have Caleb Williams on the bench. I mean, I'm fascinated to see what happens. I'm fascinated to see, like, what kind of recruits they get because of this. Because receivers are going to play with this guy. Tackles are going to want to block for this guy. Defensive players are going to play for a guy that can put points up. I think it really, really helps them. Uh, they have a great opportunity now to build this program, and they have a chance to leapfrog Oklahoma. I mean, they need to they need to outdo Oklahoma now because they're coming in with Oklahoma, and so if they come in, they need to look better than Oklahoma. And a couple of weeks ago, there was, let's say, a month ago, we said that that Texas would have a possibility of jumping jumping Oklahoma next year. We would have thought it crazy because Lincoln Riley hadn't left yet. Um, 
Texas. Quinn Quinn Ewers hadn't gone to the transfer portal. None of this crazy stuff had happened in college football yet. And now four weeks later, we're talking about Texas having the possibility with this with this get, um, and with Oklahoma now now kind of on the decline. In the off season, I wouldn't say to decline on the football, but more of a decline on off season and what's happened there. Um, it, it's it's shocking to see what's happening in college football and what's happening with Texas and Oklahoma in this Big Twelve SEC conundrum to say. I would say Quinn Ewers is probably gonna have a good year this year coming up, mm-hmm. but the next year, like that's the year you got to capitalize on it when he's at his max. I mean, this is his peak; it'll be his last year. You'll have all the recruits, they'll be second year players that come for him, freshmen that come for him. That, that's the year you got to capitalize. Um, that's probably also the year if they join early, that then they join the SEC. And so it's going to be really sad to watch Quinn Ewers and this really talented Texas team. Think of do. think of what what we're going to see next year in the SEC. Think of think of all the QB talent that's going to be there. Quinn Quinn Ewers, if Tech if Texas makes the jump early to the SEC, do you think they'll jump this off season? Huh? Do you think they'll jump this early? I don't know. There's there's been speculation about it. Um, if they don't and they stay in the Big Twelve. That that's fine, but again, just the the talent that's going to be coming with these first year and these young guys next year. Not to mention like Drew Allar that's going to Penn State. You're thinking of Bryce Young is going to be back next year. Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams, um, now Quinn Ewers, C.J. Stroud is going to be back next year. Um, you're just a bunch of talent all over. Anthony Richardson, I'm not even mentioning him for Florida. The, a stud freshman. There, there's all these huge QB talent that's going to be up next year, and it's going to be exciting to see how that's all going to play out. I can't believe we're already this college football season hasn't even ended yet, and we're already thinking about it, the college it, football the, the season. The future is just bright because yeah. we love offense, and so offense is going to be good. But the thing is, good quarterbacks breed good pass rushers. That's why you want to be a pass rusher is because you get the opportunity. And so I'm excited to see what happens. Um, it, it's going to be a good season next year. But I'm really excited for these games this weekend. But And then Malachi Nelson and Arch Manning. We haven't even mentioned those recruits coming in. <laughs> yeah, these so. guys are fantastic. And the crazy thing is, we, you think the transfer portal would be the focus, but the swinging door, the, the carousel has been with coaching mm-hmm. recently, and that's nuts. So let's talk about some of the coaching things, Zach. Oh, man. Uh, Dan Lanning to Oregon. Yeah. What are, what are your thoughts, Zach? You know, I I really do like this hire. I think this is this is a great um, hire, a balance, to say, because of what Oregon's been um, and what the Pac-12 is now. I think this is kind of a, a reactive, reactatory, uh, how I say that, reactive coaching hire mm-hmm. for what happened in USC and what's happened in UCLA. UCLA, Chip Kelly, proven on offense. Lincoln Riley, proven coach on offense. Defensively, a little suspect. Oregon, defensively with Dan Laning, is going to be, they were good this year defensively. I'll say a little sometimes they struggled but with dan man inconsistent yeah. but at their peaks they they yeah. shut down ohio state dan dan laney now being there at oregon i think this is a great hire to to still be up there and still compete because of the because defensively where you're going to be at my my counter to that and i'm not saying it's not true he has been coaching literally i mean that's almost an nfl defense like that is like yep. a top talent roster i mean i think that that defense georgia's defense is probably more talented than their defense in the nation i don't think anyone will argue with that is he going to be able to do that at Oregon? Are you going to be able to just play press man with help over the top and rush those guys? Are you going to be able to stop the run when you don't have those, you know, five-star All-American defensive tackles? 
I'm not saying it can't. I'm just saying you're losing losing Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon Thibodeau. You're losing other good players that have been in that system. Um, you just you're losing continuity that's been there. Are you going to be able to bring in those kind of players? Because Mario Cristobal is the guy that recruited the guys in the trenches. Penay Sewell, Kayvon Thibodeau. Those those guys came there because of Mario. Is Dan Lanning going to be able to do that? You know. And if you can't, then this is even going to be able to work. Yeah, uh, and again, you're saying we're, we're saying USC and UCLA, the offense that they're going to have. Um, if this year, I think for Oregon, the scheme will be good, and I think he has talented players on that Oregon defense. But like you're saying, with that NFL talent not being there, it will be interesting to see that dynamic there with Oregon and their defense. And also how their offense is going to play because all they're oh man Oregon's offense was so inconsistent this year, mm-hmm. and and sometimes they were just downright horrible. So it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see the kind of hires, assistant coaches hire hires that he brings in to help out with this this talented Oregon team. I'll say because of what Mario Cristobal built and the recruits that he has there. Yeah. Um. Let's move Tony Elliott to Virginia. This is not a huge hire. Um, it's interesting though, just because of the way Clemson's offense struggled. Yeah, it was it's, very surprising to I, me. I don't know if I, I don't know if I like this hire by Virginia. Um, it, it kind of makes me cringe. Do you think? Do you think the reasoning for Virginia is we need a big name, we need someone from a winning program, and you know Clemson didn't have the best offensive line this year, so because you know yeah. we live in Greenville right now. Clemson fans everywhere, huge excuses made that the offensive line is the reason their offense wasn't good and yeah. that DJ was bad. Like Those are the problems. They ran some pretty simplified offenses that when you take out the all-world quarterback like Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, they got boxed mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, they got better as the year went on, but they got boxed by teams like North Carolina State. And not that they're not good teams. They got boxed by Pitt. You know? Georgia not th- Tech? Not that those aren't good teams. But those aren't world-beating teams. Those aren't playoff teams. Um, it's, I'm just surprised by it. Virginia needs a boost. Maybe this is it. I, I don't know if this I mean, dude, maybe Tony Elliott is really smart. Maybe he surprises us. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I, I feel like this is a midline ACC team going forward. I mean, how are you going to out-recruit your old guy, you know? You're, you're not. In the University of Virginia, It's you're not going to recruit. It's a basketball school. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Kind of been struggling this year for basketball, so yeah, yeah. we won't we won't get into that. Now I'm I'm gonna get your thoughts here, and I want you to rank the coaching hires. Okay, so okay. Bring up the names: Brian Kelly, Billy Napier, Lincoln Riley, Brent Venables, Dan Lanning, and Marcus Freeman. Who's your number one? Who's your number one coach? I don't think this is a hot take, but I think Lincoln Riley is by far the best hire. Okay, here's my reasoning: You look at Kyler Murray came from Texas A and M. Baker Mayfield came from Texas Tech, and Jalen Hurts came from Alabama and was just a runner. He made all three, two of them Heisman winners, the third Heisman contender. All of them got drafted in the first two rounds. Two of them were top picks in the NFL. So he proved that he could take quarterbacks that didn't succeed other places and make them good. He's the quarterback whisperer. Not only is he a quarterback whisperer, he's an offensive mastermind. And so he goes to a place that has been lacking the presence of quarterback. They've had the talent, but they've lacked the coach. I mean, Clay Helton, I mean, misses it with so many of those good quarterbacks. I just think Lincoln Riley is going to have a chance to build a great program in USC. Um, I don't know if Dan Lanning's going to be able to keep up with him. I think Lincoln Riley is just, he's set on the trajectory. He has the look. He's got the scheme. He's got the track record. I mean, he's the guy. And so I think it's huge for USC. I think it's a really good thing for their program. My number two, and I know we'll probably disagree on this one, is Brian Kelly. I know that mm. there might be a, a rift and that he's not very Southern. He's not He's not Ed O'Dron. He's actually the opposite. 
But I think that's a good thing because Ed, Ed Ogeron, besides the one year where he had Joe Brady and Joe Burrow and all these all-world players, was a very average SEC coach. I know that's not be a hot take. Very yeah, he, average he, SEC he coach. Was. He was an average I think, SEC coach. I think he showed us that he did not have the football IQ. Brian Kelly does. Brian Kelly's been at a school that can't recruit like LSU because they have the GPA things, um, you know, all the other restrictions they have in recruiting. And he took them to playoffs twice. He took them to a BCS national title. I mean, they were in contention many, many years. I mean, there, there were even games like the uh, Fiesta Bowl when he played Ohio State. Like, they played with those teams. They beat Clemson last year um, in, in, in um, Notre Dame. And so I, I think he's a good coach. I think he's got a, a new world of recruiting. I, I just think it's great. But what are your thoughts on Brian Kelly? Um, Who would you put as number two? I would put Lincoln Riley as number two. <gasps> Not, no, I put Lincoln Riley as number one. I don't know, ah. why, I don't know why I said two. I would put Lincoln Riley at number one. <sighs> I would either put I would either put Marcus Freeman or Billy Napier at two. Now Marcus Freeman Wow. I don't know Marcus Freeman I know a little bit about. I don't know as much um compared to how much I know about Billy Napier. because um, I've been following him for a while. I would probably lean Billy Wait, Napier. Wait, where did where did Billy Napier go again? Florida. Ah, sorry. This Grant, is, Grant's not here. So this I, is an unbiased opinion. This is a unbiased. Grant's not here. Someone had to ask. Trust me. This is this is un, as unbiased as it can get, because I was following Billy Napier last year. Oh, I remember. Yeah. And Dan Mullen was not on the hot seat at all. Dan Mullen was not on the hot seat. I was following this guy because I was I was interested to see where he would go in the SEC. Ultimately, he didn't take a job in the SEC, and now guess what? Florida's got him. So I'm hyped. Um. But I would put Billy Napier at two just because I think with his track record where he's been, I think he's going to bring in a winning culture where he goes. Lincoln Riley one, Billy Napier two, Marcus Freeman I would put three. Who would you have three? My third would be Brent Venables because he's from Oklahoma. He's from the glory days. And so not only is he from the glory days, he's a defensive mastermind. People love him. He's going to get transfers. I think he's going to recruit blue chip players. I think guys that Dabo had to pull on. I, I think Brent Venables is going to be able to have the effect that Tony Elliott won't. He's a different kind of coordinator. I, I just like the hire, and I like I like the tone it sets for the program. Like they're showing them, hey, like we know that Lincoln left. We still got the guy we think is going to help us win, and we're going to be physical. We're going to play SEC ball. I, I would put uh, – you're putting him at three. I would put Brent Venables at four. Who's your three? I would have Marcus Freeman at three. I think I think he's a phenomenal recruiter. I don't know much about Brent Venables in recruiting. He was a defensive coordinator. I know he's got the attitude for it, so I'm guessing that he can recruit well and he can recruit defensive talent well. It's be interesting to see the offensive talent that he recruits. Um, It'll be interesting to see who's calling plays for him for the yep. long term. And I would put five. I would put Dan Laning for mm-hmm. Oregon. I think that's a phenomenal hire. These are all. By the way, all of these are good hires. Us putting them, ranking them, is not proving that the one is the best hire and six is a bad hire. These are all great hires. I would just say that in ranking them how I think they're going to turn out in the situation that they're in, that's where we're kind of ranking them at. I would put five, Dan Lanning. What are your, who are you putting five? My five is, it's very close because I know Billy Napier is a really, really good recruiter. And I know Dan Lanning is a really, really good schematically defensive coordinator and so i don't know who is going to do better i think dan lanning's not walking into as good of a situation as billy napier talent wise 
but he's not playing against as good of teams, and, and he's got the brand. So I, I'm going to leave Dan Lanning and Bill Napier with question marks. I think they're equal, but I, I, I could make arguments for both. If I had to put my gut in, I think Billy Napier is going to be a better coach, um, have a better program. But for, for those, and then I had Marcus Freeman at four. Um, I just don't think you put him over Brian Kelly because if Brian Kelly stayed, there's no way he would have gotten hired at Notre Dame. Um, he's the replacement coach. I think he's going to do a good job bringing in culture, uh, bring, injecting youth into that culture, and, and letting the players know, like, we still th- believe in you. We still think we, you can compete. Um, but if Brian Kelly doesn't leave, Marcus Freeman's not the head coach. Well, here's the thing. I would put Brian Kelly as six. Now, people are going to be like, what do you mean, Brian Kelly? He led Notre Dame to two a BCS and two college football playoffs. It's not a problem with him as a coach. It's a problem with him as a fit. I don't think he fits LSU. Now, you said that he 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 doesn't fit LSU and I think that's a good thing. Well, I think that's a bad thing. Here's my reasoning. LSU is very culture-oriented because it's Louisiana State University. It mm-hmm. is the pride of Louisiana, that university, and, and what they've gone to. And I think Ed O, Ed o was beloved by the fans even though he had a rough last two years. They they loved him as a coach just because I mean go Tigers like that's go Tigers they they loved that and I, I he fit the culture and, and who he was as a person now schematically average coach not a great coach for the SEC especially the talent that he had to face Brian Kelly I think has that but I think there might be an issue with the culture that he builds at LSU and I don't think that it fits I don't think it fits for the SEC I would say Les Miles also was a guy that the fans loved, just like Edo, until they stopped winning games, mm-hmm. until they weren't using Leonard Fournette right, and the fans hated him. I think Edo was the guy. And then the last two years, people were like, whoa, like what's happening? Where's Joe Brady? I think the pride of Louisiana needs some pride, and so they want to win. And so I, I think that injecting winning into a culture is, is huge. Um, I, I can think of other times when coaches went places, like Urban Meyer went to Ohio State, like he doesn't fit in there at all they started winning oh my gosh people loved Urban Meyer you know um I would just be surprised I mean Nick Saban not a super southern guy I mean Nick Saban was at LSU they loved him you know why because he brought home bank I mean he took him to championships that's what they want I think Brian Kelly has the potential to do that and I think if he does that they'll love him if he doesn't he'll be out of there soon uh, he won't be out of there though I mean they, they got him locked up mm-hmm. and so I think For it's a while it's, it's a good fit you got a decade a whole decade at least seven years before they can buy him out to build your culture so get in there and build your culture, brother. Um, we we mentioned all these hires again. I'm going to keep saying it. These are not bad hires. These are good hires. I like the hire. I like all of these hires. I think these were phenomenal hires. Let's go to I think one of the biggest hires, Corey Raymond to Florida from LSU. Speaking of LSU, that's a big hire. Yeah, for Florida. Corey Raymond was the defensive backs coach at LSU. He was their number one recruiter. And I'm not talking about at LSU. I'm talking about one of the best recruiters in the nation when it came to recruiting defensive backs. Listen to the names that he recruited. Derek Stingley, top five pick. Christian Fulton, All-American. Eli Ricks, who's now in the transfer portal, but he's a two-time All-American. Sage Mm -hmm. Ryan, NFL. Jamal Adams, we all know who that is. I can keep going down the lines because there's a lot more other... He had seven five-stars that we no, yeah, we, we, we got the picture. And, and I think it's interesting because there's three schools, and maybe four if you count Alabama. They've been debating who's DBU. You mm-hmm. know, Ohio State, LSU, Florida. Well, he's leaving LSU to go to Florida. I mean, you got Kyrie Elam and, and guys like that. Um, what's it going to look like? I mean, you know, how's he going to translate that? 
Um, but I think, I mean, he's already going into a good culture. I think Billy Napier is a really good coach when it comes to defensive mindset and things like that. Um, and so I, I think it's a fantastic hire. I think it's a really, really good hire. And I think this changes the whole landscape. But now LSU fans are like, we're still DBU. No. I'm sorry. You're not going to be DBU for much longer, especially with Corey Raymond, your number one recruiter, your defensive backs coach. He left and he said, let's go to Florida. I think Florida can it – can, in the next couple of years, they could probably make the case just because how the recruiting is probably going to uh, be. You still got to beat Ohio State, but I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah, I, I think you, you can look at it in the next couple of years with the recruiting that he's probably going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And people are, are going to be like, can he recruit the same way at Florida? Well, the facilities, I think, are better at Florida than they are at LSU. It's way easier to sell the beach than the bayou. Yeah. Uh, guys that age want to go to the beach, man. Yeah, and you're and Florida already recruits really well for defensive backs, and you're bringing in a guy like Corey Raymond with that track record. Mm-hmm. I think yep. it's going to be – it's a phenomenal hire, and I think Florida is really going to thrive off of that. Now, let's get into a couple other – JT Daniels and Kirby. We'll, we'll go quick with this. There is speculation that – JT Daniels and his family and his personal doctor disagreed with the Georgia doctors and what they wanted him to do and say when he wanted to come back. Mm-hmm. And Kirby found out about that. And JT Daniels wanted to sit. Kirby did not want him to sit. And JT Daniels said, I'm sitting. Now Kirby was frustrated with that. And now he's benched JT Daniels. And JT Daniels was thinking about entering the transfer portal again. If that's true, that's speculation. If that's true, Kirby Smart, what are you doing? What are you you doing? You're letting your pride overtake a a talented QB like JT Daniels for Stetson Bennett. It's the same thing that you did with Justin Fields and Jake Fromm. We all knew Jake Fromm was not better than Justin Fields. Obviously, he won for you. He led you to a national championship. But Justin Fields, talent-wise, was better. He had a better... He had a better potential to, to lead y'all where you guys needed to go. And the thing with Kirby is he's old school. Um, you don't bench Drew Bledsoe just because you got Tom Brady on the bench. Like You don't just bench the entrenched guy because the other guy has more potential. And that's an old school way of thinking. Um, you, you wait for an injury or something like that. Um, but I, I agree with you. and It, it, it is old school. Uh, but what did Nick Saban do when he played Kirby? He took his guy who had been his quarterback, he'd gone national championship with, the guy who had been winning all these games for him, he said, we want to win. And he, he benched Jalen Hurts in the national championship for a freshman. Mm-hmm. You know, a coach that wants to win at any cost is going to put any guy on the field that puts him in a better position. He really messed up with Justin Fields. I really think Georgia could have been something special with Justin Fields because he had more talent there than mm-hmm. he had at Ohio State. I, I don't know what's happening there. I don't know what's happening behind the scenes. But if I'm Kirby Smart, I really got to think about this one, man. Mm-hmm. So... Especially when you get into the college football playoff and everything that happened with Stetson Bennett the last time. So. All on the line. Now let's go two more quick things. Heisman Trophy. Bryce Young won. Not a surprise. What is surprising is Will Anderson did not make the top four. As much as Aiden Hutchinson had a great last three year, last three weeks mm-hmm. with what he did, Will Anderson was better overall. He was a better player. He was had a better year. He had 40 more tackles, I believe. He had 16 and a half more tackles for loss. He had three more sacks or one more sack? One more sack. He had one more sack. He had more forced fumbles. And you're telling me that Aiden Hutchinson is going to get over him? And you can't bring up the argument, oh, well, Aiden's Hutchinson team, Aiden Hutchinson's team is good. Guess what? Guess who's the number one seed? Alabama. And guess what team Will Anderson is on? Alabama. 
I would, I, and last week I, I thought Aiden deserved it better, and then I went and looked at the stats, and I was, I was like, wow. Um, and so the, the real debate is, is it about the stats? Is it about big-time moments and big-time games? Uh, Vince Young can, being considered the GOAT by some people is not about his stats. It's about that play he made in the national championship game. But I think Will, Will Anderson should have been there. Um, I, I agree with you now after looking at the stats. I mean, especially versus Auburn, the fourth quarter, man, Auburn couldn't do anything because number 31 was all over those guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, sacks, tackles for loss, tackles 30 yards down the field, and Will Anderson was playing ball. And so I think he got robbed. I, I think that's I think that's third, terrible. Third most in and first he, place he votes. he wasn't even there. He wasn't even there. No offense to Kenny Pickett. No offense to C.J. Stroud. No offense to Aiden Hutchinson. And Bryce Young, I would say no offense to you, but he... He would have been my Heisman vote if I had a ch- if I had a choice. I would have voted him the Heisman. I, I still would have voted for Bryce, but well, it's it's okay. It's okay. Offensive guy, defensive guy. It's it's fine. Uh, Kenneth Walker also wasn't there. That was a little bit of a disappointment. I know he had a rough game against Ohio State. That's, that's what I was about to say. But yeah. he had a really great year, and I think he I think he deserved to to at least have consideration. I don't even think he was considered um, a candidate. I just think the other five guys are better. That's just yeah, yeah that's true. I would agree, but. Anyway, anyway, we'll, we'll get into Zach's, the rest of that. Zach's been waiting to get to this one, guys. Yeah, this this is the one that I'm really excited about. Okay, shout out Josh Pate, 24-7 Sports, The Late Kick. He played this video, and I thought this is a great talking point for, for our podcast. It was a great talking point on his podcast, and I, I kind of want to bring it over here. So, again, this is not copyright. We're not stealing this from a show. All credit goes to him for this talking point. Trey, we're going we're gonna to play it on here. We're going to play it in, in the studio. You guys might be able to hear it over the mic. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it for you guys right now. See, the reason that Georgia made the playoffs is because we thought Georgia was great. But why did we think Georgia was great? Because of SEC bias. You see, Georgia beat Arkansas when Arkansas was ranked number eight. But by the end of the season, Arkansas had four losses at eight and four. They're not in the top twenty. Georgia beat Kentucky when Kentucky was ranked number eleven. But by the end of the season, Kentucky had three losses. They're not in the top 20. Georgia beat Auburn when Auburn was ranked number 18. But by the end of the season, Auburn had six losses, six and six. They not even ranked. So is Georgia one of the four best teams in college football? Maybe. But we were going to believe so. Either way. College football is based off of a false premise. The premise every year is that the SEC from top to bottom is better than every other conference by a long shot. The SEC usually has two great teams. It'll be Bama and LSU. It'll be Bama and Georgia this year. But we start college football with a false premise. And so when you lose to an SEC opponent, that loss don't mean that much. When you beat an SEC opponent, that loss, that win means everything. Alabama, they have one win, not counting, that win over Georgia versus a top-ranked team. That's Ole Miss at number eight. Then you move to Michigan. Well, they have two wins versus number six, Ohio State. That's the top-ranked team. And again, Iowa, number 15. That's the top-ranked team. Then you get to Georgia. Georgia's best win was against number 19, Clemson. However, Cincinnati's best win was against number five, Notre Dame, and they won their championship game versus number 20, Houston. Very interesting. That's a... Uh, Emmanuel Acho, what are you saying? I'm sorry, what are you saying? You, you're making no sense. You just compared a 13-0 Cincinnati. No offense, I love you Cincinnati. I hope you beat Bama. Okay? Go so Bearcats, go. So I don't have to wear a Georgia dir- jersey. But Emmanuel Acho, they're 13-0, okay? And you're saying they have a win against Notre Dame and a win against 
Number 20, Houston. That was their conference game. Number 20, Houston, was the second best team in their conference. You're telling me about SEC bias? That's why. Their best team is number 20. You can give me all those stats about how the teams are now in the SEC, but in an, in year in and year out, the fifth best SEC team would, would compete in almost every other conference and be one of the top teams there. Auburn, Texas A&M. The reason that Auburn lost so much is because they had a brutal schedule because they play ranked teams here and there out. They played Arkansas, Texas A&M, Alabama. You're telling me that you want to put Ohio, you can put Ohio State, I think, fine. Michigan State through that gauntlet? You're telling me Iowa's going to get through that gauntlet? No way Iowa's going to get through that gauntlet. And you're comparing Michigan's win against Iowa to Alabama's win against Auburn or win against Arkansas? I'm sorry, but Alabama has a better win. That's why there's a bias in the SEC. I think just the eye test, you, you can see that. The, the the talent is different. I think the Big Ten is comparable, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the you, top teams are comparable, when but you ha- not the rest of the conference. When you have to play, I, I think the top half of the conference is comparable. But I would I would agree. But I mean, Arkansas is a good football team. If you put Arkansas in the American, if you put Arkansas in the Pac twelve, they they literally have one yeah, or two you losses. Just, you just said that Arkansas's eight, eight and four. How is that bad? What what were their losses though? Georgia, Georgia, Alabama, close one. Um, um what's what's their other ones? Ole Miss, yeah, Ole Miss and um, Texas A&M. No, no they, they beat, beat Texas, Texas A&M because they started off hot. I'm forgetting who they, I'm forgetting who they lost Maybe to. Maybe LSU. No, I don't know. I can't remember. I don't know, but they, they those are three losses to top ten teams. By the way, top ten teams outside of the top ten, Arkansas was eight and one. Eight and one. Yes, there's an SEC bias, and that's the reason why. And, and I just think, I mean, you look at Ole Miss, Arkansas. Um, I mean, even, I don't know about LSU this year, but you put them in other conferences and they're just going to tear them apart. I mean, you know, and so the fact that you have to clash with the Titans every week, it makes it harder. The attrition, it's a war. Um, it's just, it's a different league than some of the other conferences. And I know the ESPN tries to sell the SEC and sometimes it is biased. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is too much. But on this, to say that Georgia is not deserving, of, possibly is it deserving of a playoff spot when they looked unbeatable until the SEC championship game and still had a 10-point lead in the second quarter. And your logic is, look at the teams now. No, look at the teams when they played them. Injuries are the reason Auburn is 6-6. Six and six. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, uh, Florida, earlier in the year, almost beat Alabama. And it's not like, like later on in the year, that's a bad win. They did a great job. And, and the attrition... The, the schematics, the the drama, like those things add to a season. I've never been a fan of people looking back at the end of the season and be like, oh man, they played number 19 Clemson. When they played Clemson, Clemson was really highly ranked. And maybe we didn't know what Clemson was, but I, I still think Clemson's a top pro. Like you don't just discount that win. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I, I discard this take. I, I appreciate you, Emmanuel Acho, but I discard this take. Uh, he knows more than me on probably everything because he played in the NFL and I'm pretty sure he played at Texas, but I'm just going to disagree respectfully. Yeah. Horns down, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I am not going to go as far. With Quinn Ewers, I I don't know. The horns are like mid for me right now. We'll see what happens. Horns down, Emmanuel Acho. I don't don't care. When I saw that, I was fuming inside when I saw that take. Uh, I I totally disagree. I'm I'm totally on the opposite sides of that. Um, All right, the the big news. The big big show, college football playoffs. The college football playoff, well... 
Not much. We can again. There's a couple news for Alabama and Cincinnati. You know, John Mechie's now out. Josh Job is out. That's, tell, that's that. Those are huge injuries. Yeah, huge injuries, man. And hey, Grant. Grant is not on the show with us today. He he is here in spirit with us. But Grant, if you're listening, if you're hearing this right now, Alabama's injuries are going to play a key part in this game. As much as you say, and you, and again, guess who won? Guess who won the um? What's the DB? The Jim Thorpe Award for the mm-hmm. best defensive back? Kobe Bryant, second best corner. The, he's their second best corner on their team, and he won. He gets more picks because they throw it at him more. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I would like to say I think this game is going to play out huge on the boundaries now because you got Jameson Williams and Sauce Gardner. Jameson Williams is Kobe Bryant to see what happens out there. But on the other side now, you got a big body, power forward, wide receiver, Alec Pierce. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be able to go against Josh Job now. He has been making contested combat catches all year long. My thing is, if it comes down to a game in the boundary, I think Cincinnati has an advantage now. But I think in the trenches... Is Cincinnati going to be able to buckle up? Are those pass rushers going to be able to break down and make tackles? Is Evan Neal going to shut them down and block them down? Uh, it, I, I got to see it to believe it. But, man, do I want to believe it. Come oh, on, I, Bearcats. I, come I, on. I can't, I can't wait to see this. And then the, the next game, Georgia-Michigan, not much news has happened with that game. Just the fact that we want to see JT or Stetson. A lot of people want to see JT. And, again, we're just all hyped for the running game of Michigan versus that running defense of Georgia. That's an even matchup. I think, well, I mean, I, I hate to say this because, you know, Grant, but I think people are giving Georgia too much. Ooh. Michigan's good. Yeah. Michigan is not a joke. Michigan beat Ohio State. They, they out-physicaled Ohio State. And, and the week before that, after Ohio State beat Michigan State, people were saying Ohio State was the only team that had a chance to beat Georgia because they could make it a track meet. They tried to make it a track meet versus Michigan. They showed them what was up. Mm-hmm. So Michigan can get physical. They can get dirty. And so I, I want to see what happens. I, I want a good football. I want two good football games. So often the semis are, no, are just no not No blowouts, please. Please no blowouts. At least keep it within 10 points. I'm still not saying Michigan's the favorite, but they are getting disrespected. They got some dogs, man. They do. They do. Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, a a David Ajabo, yeah. What's, David Ajabo. What's their middle linebacker's name? That guy played fantastic in the last two games. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, and they're not huge Jackson names. Hill, he's phenomenal in the back end. I Again, I agree with Trey on this. People are giving Georgia too much credit. I think Michigan should get some credit here. I think you're underrating Michigan so, a little bit. I think what you got to have is you got to have somewhere between uh, Grant Bagwell and Emmanuel Acho. I think yeah. that's where your position <laughs> needs to be. I think you either got to be not too pro-SEC and not too anti-SEC. Yeah, he, he can't... Um, Grant can't be on the podcast and like actually like have his comebacks, so it's just fun. It, it just feels nice. Yeah, it, it feels nice not having his voice here. And what did I tell everybody on the podcast at the end of the last show? I said that Grant wasn't going to show up again. I told him I wouldn't allow him after his. Once comments. he saw Josh Job was hurt, he was like, "I yeah, I, I can't come back now because he, he knows Alec Pierce is about to have two touchdowns." I, I can't, I can't wait for him to be in that nice Florida jersey and and doing the Gator <laughs> Chomp. I'm so excited. All right, guys, that's going to be the end of the podcast. It was. A great talk, great talking points today. I had a, a lot of fun, interesting stuff. This is the first time we're actually talking um, about just stuff happening and news happening in college football instead of college football breakdowns. It's going to be a great, great offseason. Oh, oh, phenomenal offseason! I can't wait for you all to join us on the next couple episodes that we're going to have. That's going to do it. Again, we're on Spotify, we're on RSS.com, we are on Apple Podcasts. You guys already know this. Go go ahead, give us a follow on those platforms, and also just listen to the podcast for us and enjoy the show. So great to have you all. See ya. Peace.